So uh, how many of you guys took time over this past summer to watch the Summer Olympics? Did you guys watch the Summer Olympics? You guys Olympics people? Love, I, I'm, I'm so unbelievably fascinated by uh, the Olympics. The, these, these people literally will train, they train for four years um, and then to, they give it all they got. And, and then, because literally the difference between gold and silver is like, uh, like literally it, it's that, that you train for four years and it's like here. And it's, so it's, it, it, you have to be at the complete utter top of your game. So your game. So it's, it's really fascinating to watch these athletes give their time, energy, and effort to perfecting uh, their bodies, perfecting their performance, perfecting their skill and doing that. Uh, but inevitably, all of those athletes, every one of them will hit a wall at some point in time and they, they can't do it any longer, right? And often like the, the guys that are doing the announcing or the ones that are on the TV kind of telling you what's going on, they used to do it, but then what happened? Their body stopped working in the same way and they could not continue to do at that same level the things that they were able to do. And we've all probably experienced that even in our own bodies as we continue to grow. I remember um, we were from Texas and a, a big time San Antonio Spurs fan and um, never had a chance to see uh, Michael Jordan play in his prime, in, uh, you know, in, in li live, in person. For you guys that did, just, you're awesome. But I, uh, but I wanted to see him and uh, so he, but he retired, but then he came back to, play with the Washington Wizards. I don't know if you remember that. And I'm sorry if it's painful to think about. It was for me a little bit, but he came back for a couple seasons and they were gonna play the Spurs. And so I uh, got with a buddy and we were like, I have to be able to see him. Just say, I saw him once. So we went, we went to the Spurs game and we watched him play as, at the, as the Washington Wizards. And I just, I remember watching him and thinking, it, thinking eh, I don't, that's not Michael Jordan. He still scored 18 points. But there was something different. He wasn't able to be the Superman that he was before. We, we all have these uh, realities that, exi that, we ha that exist in this life where we see decay happening. And we can't do the things that we used to do. And we still want to. You know, if you're Michael Jordan or if you're whoever, we still want to be able to do those things, but there's something that is pulling us down and saying, I can't move that way anymore. I remember I was 38 years old. And all of a sudden, I was like, what is happening with my knees? What's going on? I was, I was right. And I remember thinking, 38, all right, it's here we go, you know, like down, it's, it's going down after here because all of a sudden I couldn't, I, my knees wouldn't in my back and all those things. This is what we feel. There's this constant thing going and we try and we try and we try. We want to keep it going, but we can't always make it go. I, I, I have a, a, a huge admiration. I was actually reading an article this week at the Louisiana Senior Games this, this, just this past week. Uh, a lady... Julia Hawkins set a world record for 105-year-olds running the 100-meter dash. She, Rog, there's a video. You have to Google this later. Don't Google it now. Just listen to me. But uh, she, and I love the, the flower in her hair. She was going after it. And so uh, she did set the world record for 105 and over, uh, ran the 100 meters in one minute and two seconds,
So they're interviewing her afterward. And they're saying, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You've set the 105 years or older world record. How do you feel? And she said, well, I wanted to break a minute. I wanted to break the minute mark. And they said, yeah, but a minute and two seconds, that's literally less. 102 is less than your age, 105. Isn't that significant to you? And she's like, no, I just... (laughs) It wasn't good enough. And I, what I loved in her spirit is she wanted to keep going. She wanted to keep going. But there's, and, and there's this thing in us where we want to keep going. We're meant to keep going. We're literally wired in our DNA to want to keep moving forward and keep taking ground and see new things and create new things and do new things. But we all experience the same thing, that there is a limit And there is a decay point, and it can be incredibly and deeply frustrating because that spirit's there, but the body says no, and we feel that tension all the time. We were meant to keep going, but something happened. We were literally crafted and created from the get-go to keep on going, but something happened, and that is sin. Sin stole what we all know deep down inside of us that we were supposed to have. We were supposed to be limitless. Limitless in life and limitless in resource and limitless in glory. That's what we were supposed to have. But sin entered in. That time that first Adam came and said, I'm gonna give my heart not to the king of the universe. I'm gonna give it to myself and do my own way. And from that moment, when, sin, when Adam made that decision, sin entered into the equation and began to tear down the very thing that we were wired to go towards. Fullness of life. Keep on moving. Keep on creating. That willful sin and disobedience made a mark on us, and it became a cancer to all mankind. And because of sin... Death entered into the equation. It came into the human framework to stop the very thing that was meant to continue going forward. And it actually, it, it's more, it's even beyond. We know the effects of it because it goes beyond just the, our own lives, right? We see it in every way where sin has had its mark, right? Across the board, in, across the spectrum, in all of life, Our pets, they don't last forever, right? To me, you have pets that you've lost love. I mean, they were precious to you, but, and you wanted them to keep going, but they could not keep going, right? It keeps, but this is, again, across the board, our homes are dying. Our homes are, if you're a homeowner, you know, nothing holds up for forever. Our home was built in 1987, all right? The 80s were, weren't the 80s the best, right? So good, amen? Were any of y'all even born in the 80s? Okay, the, okay. The 80s were great, I forget it. I don't even, I'm not gonna go on that. <clears throat> um, our, our house was built in 1987. When we were able to get into our home, we had to fix bathrooms and flooring was mess. And even before we got into our house, they had to change all the landscape in the backyard because the water was flooding. The house was like gonna fall into a sinkhole. I mean, this is what happens with homes all the time. We have right now, our bathtub's leaking. We have to, it, this is what happens. 
This decay is across the board. And we see it and we experience it and it's reminding us that there's something not quite right. And that something not quite right is what the Bible calls sin. And while it's disappointing to have these effects in all of our lives, what's way, way worse about what sin does is the devastation that it plays on us internally, in the soul, because it mars our hearts and our relationships, tears down our capacity to love and to be loved. It removes at times our sense of worth and value and purpose. And the word of God tells us that more than anything, sin leads towards death. So Paul says it this way to the church in Rome. He says, the wages of sin is death. The payment for this rebellion and turning away from God and saying that our way is better creates this separation from him. And in this letter here to this Corinthian church, he says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse, go back to verse 50, it says, I tell you this brother's flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. In other words, this, these bodies with all of the limitations and all the shortcomings from the effect of sin, they do not have capacity to stand in the presence of the perfect creator of the universe. They're broken, they're marred. And so the question is, what do we do about this? What do we do with this? And so what Paul says is this, verse 53, though the perishable body has to put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on the immortality. Why? So why the imperishable put on, well, why the perishable put on the imperishable? Verse 56, because the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. So what does he mean by this? What, 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 the sting, that lethal sting of death is sin. In other words, what he's saying here is what makes death eternally destructive and damning is sin. Sin is what makes death that final thing that moves us towards that place of destruction. It's honestly why death scares most of us. Because deep down we know, you don't even have to grow up in church. Deep down, what do we know? We know that we're broken and we know that we have guilt. We can do a lot of great and good things. We can help out with church or charity. We can try to be kind. We can like let people in in the parking lot um, or let people out of the park. We can do lots of good things, but what we all know without question, we've had moments in life that have shown us beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're broken. 
and that we are guilty before the good and righteous and perfect God. We are. And we might not use those kinds of words, but we've all experienced it and felt it in different ways. And so what we can do is we can live life and we can kind of numb ourselves by the day-to-day things that we have. We have, great, we have jobs and careers and food and, and, uh, and all kinds of things, uh, play, uh, you know, vacations, all kinds of things that we can give our heart to. But our heart ultimately will tell us the truth that death has this lethal sting. And the sting from that is sin. Sin is what gives the sting of death, that finality, that thing that makes us press and push away from it. And so this text goes on to say that the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. So what do we mean by that? Meaning the destructive effect of sin on our eternity is owing to the law of God, meaning that the eternal effect of sin is not just random. It's not arbitrary. It is the righteous requirement of God, meaning that the infinitely worthy, beautiful, magnificent, good, just, perfect king, God of the universe cannot be entangled with sin and darkness. If he were, it would make him less than. We could not serve or walk with or connect or lift up the voice or lift our voices to a God that could be degraded in any way. He wouldn't be God. He can't stand in the presence. Sin can't stand in the presence of God. And so the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is God's just and holy law that it must be addressed in his presence. And all of that on just being honest feels a little bit scary and weighty, or it should feel a little bit weighty. But all of that is leading up to this discovery. And here's the discovery. There was one death that changed everything, changed it all. There was one death And there was one resurrection that changed the rule. It turned the whole world upside down. It created from out of the ground brand new life. And it makes all the difference and it changes everything. So here's what Paul says in Corinthians in our text. It says in in chapter 15, verse 54, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but, everybody say but. But. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, The bad news is really bad, okay? Because everybody's going, you're a little heavy-handed this morning, Keith. Are you okay? You know, like, but just for a minute, let's remember why we're here, the point of all of life. If we can't stop this fleshy, mortal body from decaying, 
but we know inside we were meant to keep going like Julia Hawkins. We're meant to keep going, but we feel the weight. If something's not right, something's not right. If you've ever gone, something's not quite right. Can't get marriage right. Can't get parenting right. Can't get the job right. Can't get the vacation. Can't get all the things right. Why are none of these things fixing the hole in my heart? The answer is sin has done that to us, and there's only one answer that can fix that, and it is the one death and resurrection from the God-man Jesus Christ who changed everything. It turned the whole world upside down. And whatever is broken is now fixed in Christ. There's been one human being and only one who did not deserve to die. We all deserve, hear this, your pastor, I deserve death. I'm a sinner apart from God. But there was one who never sinned, and he died. The question is, why did he die? Because that's why God sent him into this world. The apostle John says it this way, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish. There's that word, perish. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't be perishable anymore, but they would have everlasting eternal life. That's the point. How could that be? What what did he do? What did Jesus do? The answer, this is what is stunning because it's the best news in the whole world. And it's at the true heart of what it even means to be a Christian. And it goes like this in Romans chapter five. For a while, we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So if you're in this room and you're thinking, I'm kind of ungodly, good news. Good news. Jesus didn't come to die for the godly. He came to die for the ungodly, which is all of us. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even die, but God shows his love. Hear this. If you've, ever, if, you've, if you've wondered, even in your darkest moment, could God possibly love me or be with me? Why, why would God love me? Hear this. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Whatever broken stuff you bring in here this morning, you guys joining us online, whatever we brought while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that is the ultimate expression of the radical love of the Father. Peter puts it this way, 1 Peter 2, 24, he says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So hear this, every past failure, every current way you're falling short and every future broken thing in you, Jesus took in his body, in him, and he hung his perfect, spotless self and he took it and he went to the cross with it and he put it on and he went into the grave with it 
Isaiah said this literally 700 years before Jesus would even show up. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we're healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus came, the sovereign, sinless king to take our place of judgment so that we don't bear it any longer. Not just, hear this church, not just in the age to come, right now, right now, right here in this moment, no judgment. It's the most amazing, precious exchange, the best and coolest possible Christmas gift you've ever gotten pales in comparison to this gift. It's a treasure to have. Paul says it like this in, the, in his next letter to the church in Corinth. It says, for our sake, he made, this is the father made Jesus, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. Why? Why? Why would God do that to his one and only son? Why would the king of the universe ever do that? He was fine, amen? Can, God was fine before creation, he, was okay. he wasn't deficient in any way. Why would God do this? Here's the answer. You're one liner for forever. In fact, if you don't get anything else out of this, just get this text in you. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. If you call on the name of Jesus, you need to hear this. You're the righteousness of God. That's who you are. It's like right now, not when you see him, you're gonna see him face to face. You're gonna fall down and melt, okay? Literally, we're gonna fall down and melt. And you'll, it'll take you 10 years to get off the ground, all right? And you'd be 10 years of just being melted, right? We can take it for two seconds. We, we do roller coasters we're like, man, I don't think I can do that anymore, right? We have capacity for two seconds of it here in this life. We're gonna have capacity for like literally 10 years. It sounds like, that sounds horrible. I'm saying 10 years of just being undone in the presence of the Son of God. Just laid out wave after wave of the revelation of the glory of Jesus. That's where we're headed, but hear that. That's what you have right now, righteousness, holiness. That's what God would say to you if you were to come to him with the darkest sin, the deepest failure, the most deep disappointment of the people around you to come to him in his presence. And if you come to Jesus and say, take my brokenness and my sin and give me your righteousness, then when you turn to the Father, the Father sees the righteousness of the Son of God on you. That's your position with him right now. And that changes everything because we're the leaning and the lie of the enemy is to live in shame for every way we fall short. And the king of the universe is saying, no son, no daughter, you've been made spotless righteousness forever. That's who you are. 
That's how I want you to operate. You may fall. So what I love what the psalmist says, though I stumble, I will not fall because you uphold me with your right hand. Right hand. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, what about the law then? What do we do with the law? Because uh, if the sting of death gets its power and authority uh, of its justice from the law, then what, then what do we do? Because you can't just sweep the law of God under the rug. We can't just, just pretend like we haven't broken the law. God's heart, his righteousness. So what do we do? That's what Romans 8 says to us. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Meaning God executed the law's just sentence in the flesh. Whose flesh? Jesus's. God has fully condemned. He never, he hasn't, he hasn't come off the, the, the law one iota. He's perfectly upheld his righteousness. He's condemned sin. Where did he condemn it? In the flesh of Jesus. Whose sin? My sin, your sin, our sin. And since the law's sentence against our sin was carried out in the death of the sinless son of God, then what does Romans 8 say about us. Here's what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nobody's condemning you. You find yourself coming up short like every other person we see in the scripture. And what does Jesus say? Where are your accusers? They're gone. So I don't accuse you. Come into my presence and go and live out of victory. That's it. That's the point. My people will never, that's what he's saying. My people, my people, this is what Jesus, Jesus is saying. My people, don't, they'll never be condemned. And not just in the age to come, but now. You don't stand condemned. I paid your debt of death, and I satisfied the justice of God's law, his holiness and righteousness. So therefore, there's no condemnation for you. You've been fully covered and taken care of. Every ounce of you, top of your head, bottom of your feet, deepest place inside of you, covered. No condemnation. And so what, so what do we do with that? What do we do with that truth? If that's true of every one of us in this room, then what do we do with it? 1 Corinthians 15, 58 he says, well, if that's true, therefore, my beloved brothers, which just means all of us, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. What it's saying is this, if you've been truly ransomed and saved where there's no condemnation in you, and God does not look on you as failure, but looks on you as son and daughter, then church, stand up and walk out in the confidence that God has called you and he has appointed you for such a time as this, for you to be you and to move 
and to see the kingdom of God advance through you. To see people come to know Jesus because of your life and my life. It's gotta know who, when we know who we are in Christ, we stand up under the weight of the kindness of our God and we just say, I'm immovable and I'll not be shaken. That I stand under the finished work of the cross, I will abound in the work that God has chosen for me. That's what we do. It feels like the moments where it feels like we want to say, but my flesh is weak and I feel like I fall short all the time. Listen, if you ever feel like I, I do the things that I don't want to do and the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing those things. You're in, by the way, you're in good company. This is every follower of Jesus for all time. And if we fall short, hear this. Let immortality wash over you again, just fresh. Because this is what Paul's saying is that the perishable has to make an exchange for the imperishable. We gotta make the exchange fresh. And it's easy to forget, but he's ready to make that exchange. So here's what I wanna do. I just wanna do this. You guys stand with me. We're gonna close out. We're just gonna make some declarations. We don't often do this, but there's a whole bunch of us here today, so, and I'm feeling frisky, so we're gonna do this, all right? We're just gonna make just a few declarations. If it helps you to close your eyes, close your eyes. If you wanna look around the room, look around the room. But whatever's helpful for you just to be authentic with God, just to make a few declarations. Because I wanna make these with the full confidence of what God has made us to be. That if, you're, if you call in the name of Jesus, if you're in Christ, if you've given your heart to him and asked him to come and be your Lord, King, and Savior, then you are a whole different person. So we're gonna make these declarations. And I just want you to repeat these after me. Because of Jesus, my life is not in vain. Okay, that was medium good. All right, I know it takes some time to get warmed up. Because of Jesus, my life is not in vain. Okay, because of Jesus, I am steadfast. Because of Jesus, I am immovable. Because of Jesus, I matter to God. Because of Jesus, I matter to those around me. So I will bring life wherever I go. Come on, church, this is who you are. This is what God's calling us to be. That if you gotta make those declarations over, if you gotta grab those scriptures and pull them in and say them out loud, I know this, I know the enemy can't stand what you're saying right now. I know the enemy would love to come and tell you you have no business saying these things. You know your life is a mess. How dare you even think that what that preacher is saying is for you? Let me tell you what, you could tell that word in your ear. Tell it to go straight to hell where it came from and you stand under the victory that Jesus has purchased for you. Can we do that? All right, I'm gonna pray and we're just gonna finish this morning worshiping and asking God to anchor this truth of victory, right? You are victorious, it's who you are because Jesus has already purchased it for you. You don't have to create your own victory. It's Jesus' victory, so just open up your hands and receive it again. We sang that 
Oh God, we, let, let's receive that truth. Father, we're asking right now to receive your victory fresh, to give all, give it to them right now. Your failures, your sin and shortcomings, where the enemy would tell you, nah, you're just a sinner. No, I'm not. I've been redeemed and set free. I've been made whole. I've been given a new identity. I'm no longer just a sad sinner. I've been made son and daughter of the Most High God. I'll not sit in defeat, I'll stand in victory. I'll believe what God says about me more than what my mind says about myself. I'll trust the truth of God's word more than what I hear from the voice of the enemy in my ear. And I will stand in confidence, immovable, unshakable, because Jesus has won the victory for me. Amen? Amen, let's worship.